online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound, the Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show. I'm Colin, and Bob is socially distanced. Uh, I am indeed, yes. Uh, very good evening to you. Welcome along to the show, uh, where we will reflect on our Monday's game against Tottenham Hotspur and look ahead uh, to Saturday's fixture at Brentford. And we'll hear from 90 striker Kim Casey as well, who, in his day, uh, played and scored in a pre-season friendly against Tottenham. We'll also be hearing from the head of media, Matt Cecil, uh, about some of uh, the events that took place before the game against Spurs. Uh, Quite exciting, clearly, uh, to have lots of the world's media descend on Adams Park, but a little bit of a headache for Matt. It's been quite a week, actually, hasn't it? Because it sort of started off, well, going back to last week, really, because we had the COVID, then we had the snow, then we had an FA Cup fourth-round tie, then we had a practice game. Um, not much happened yesterday in comparison. Uh, but today's been fairly quiet, although you got to speak, speak to Gareth earlier on today. I did, yes. And, uh, and uh, they, they revealed that the Norwich game has also been selected for, for TV. Uh, also exciting. Games. Yeah, I know. Sunday the 28th of Feb at 12 noon. On the telly again. Yes. More, more excitement for Matt. So the... <laughs> <laughs> He'll have just got over it and then it'll be time to do it all over again. Exactly. You can imagine him saying, oh no, they've gone on the, the selected the Norwich game as well. But it seems strange, doesn't it? I think I read that this Saturday will be their first league game in four weeks. It, it, yes, it has been a while. We haven't played on a Saturday for quite a while now. Um, and uh, we keep going on about this, but you know, we're still at the halfway point of the season. We seem to have been saying <laughs> that since about New Year. It's quite a big halfway point, isn't it? It, 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 well, yes, and it's it's sort of it's getting bigger, partly f- because we are now at last finally managing to assemble a few games in hand, which possibly is, might might be crucial. Um, but also, it's, it's getting a little bit worrying uh, in that other teams keep winning uh, that are just sort of like above us. Uh, yeah, you keep looking at those Rotherham, those for, points for, gaps. Don't yeah. you think it would only be too cut adrift? It, it, that, indeed, you know. And so to see that Rotherham beat Middlesbrough three 0 last last night. How very know, dare cheers, they? Cheers, Neil Warnock. That wasn't exactly <laughs> what we wanted. No. But, uh, again, it sounds like a cliché, but it, you just need to put a, a small run of results together and, and, and things look very different. And that's exactly the thing. And I think we, we all know, actually, and you know the whole world will know now, actually, after watching on Monday, that actually Wickham are playing very, very well at the moment. We just need to start stringing the, uh, uh, those results together. Um, and in some ways, it's such a shame that actually we've had all of these postponements, the QPR game, the Sheffield Wednesday game, because the Preston game where we won 4-1 really felt like the beginning of something. It really felt like actually suddenly we, we'd found our, our feet, we were in the groove, uh, and the fact that then everything obviously had to to come to a grinding halt uh, was a great shame but let's hope that we can pick it up again uh, obviously we've got Brentford and then we've got you know so, some pretty big games coming up uh, with those teams that are in and around the relegation zone as they say I should imagine Monday night's performance would have given all the players such a boost of confidence though yeah definitely um, and you know you can just imagine so many people watching that thinking blimey you know is this the side that are bottom of the championship we looked more like a, a Burnley or a Brighton you know holding and frustrating Spurs um, and the fact that we managed to hang on for 85 minutes and they had to bring on their big guns uh, you know said, said it all really and such a great start to the cup tie as well yeah, yeah, it really was, wasn't it? it you know, you, you slightly thought, oh, goodness me, uh, you know, Gareth Bale looks quite dangerous. But but straight away, we, we were doing the same to Spurs. We we were then attacking them. And Gareth very much said that before the game, that actually, you know, we're, we're not just going to sit back. We're not going to be one of these teams that plays 11 men behind the ball um, and tries to frustrate Spurs that way. No, you know, we're, we're going to take the game to them. Uh, and, and we certainly did. 
Because Gareth Bale and Eric Lamella, I think they had quite a few shots, weren't not necessarily on target, but I was, I was worried for the safety of the new digital <laughs> advertising boards. <laughs> I like the fact that you're concerned uh, about the advertising They're boards. new, aren't they? Can't go, yeah. They're probably expensive. Yeah, you can imagine Pete Kuhig sitting there, particularly when they're showing the, the thing about Louisiana and, you know, and Gareth Bale's thumping a ball into them, saying, no, stop, stop. <laughs> Head in hands. Those are expensive. <laughs> Look after our stuff. Yeah, please, please don't. Uh, but yes, ju- ju- just slightly looking ahead for for a moment. You know, after Brentford, it's Birmingham at home, Nottingham Forest at home, Sheffield Wednesday away, and clearly all of those are, are slightly really become must win games. I think because February's really busy, isn't it? It is. You know, suddenly, wh- whereas actually the second half of the season very much looked like um, it was a little bit more relaxed in terms of fixtures and you know we we seem to be playing saturdays with the occasional midweek fixture thrown in uh suddenly because of the the covid situation uh both for ourselves and at sheffield wednesday yeah it, it's now saturday tuesday saturday tuesday again uh pretty much all the way through just looking at it really until the next international break um so and that's not until the the the, the final game before the international break is away to coventry on the 20th of march so it's you know it's it's going to be a bit of a slog again because you find yourself don't you looking at teams who are playing coming up and thinking well they're not doing so well uh, lately perhaps it's a good time to be playing them uh, we've got birmingham uh, quite soon and they're, they're very up and down aren't they yeah yeah indeed uh, and obviously birmingham that's one of the games that we've won so far you know that was the the away victory where we beat them 2-1 so definitely you know that that has got to be seen i think if we are to stay in in the division that's got to be seen surely as a, as a must win particularly the fact that we're playing them at home nottingham forest it was a shame that we lost to them because clearly they weren't doing particularly well at, at the time uh, and again still you know still still aren't doing very well for considering that they are such a big team um so again i would say that really that's looking like a must-win as well. And you've got to hope as well that QPR and, and Sheffield Wednesday are both not doing so well when the rearranged fixtures come around. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, you know, it, it's having a postponement sometimes it can work in your favour sometimes clearly it, it's completely the other way um, the away match against Queen's Park Range is now on the 9th of March um, so again clearly you know that that's beginning to get towards the end of the season things will be a little bit clearer then I think with regards to what actually teams need to do uh, to avoid relegation but at the same time that's why teams at the bottom are always harder to play towards the end because clearly once you know what you've got to do um, it does sort of focus the mind a little bit more uh, far more than you know than, than if you're playing a team that ends up say being relegated in in august um you know they're they're they're, they're clearly not trying quite as hard then as they might be at the end of april so back to monday night and and who or perhaps what uh, particularly impressed you uh, so on Monday night, um, really, the 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 entire team. I I, I w- without wishing to to do what Gareth normally does, but I think it's quite hard to sort of like you know say say anybody because they all put in a a shift um i thought it was it was a great shame for joe jacobson who obviously you know he he was the is the main spurs fan in the the team uh he's the one who apparently had spurs wallpaper when he was growing up um and you know and was also playing against gareth bale and he'd been in some of of the same teams as gareth bale um as a youth player uh and so i thought that you know that that was really really sad that that he had to come off um but yeah you know everybody did so well uh i think we really do look like we have solved the the bayo problem of well if bayo's not playing who who do we pick uchi and admiral once again looked really really good um it, you know in defense we 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 looked pretty solid as well which considering we're saying it was against spurs is is quite impressive 
Oh, definitely. And you could tell that the manager was really pleased afterwards, despite the, the results, slightly dejected, I guess, because, you know, they, they, they'd held Tottenham for such a long period. But uh, Gareth spoke to reporter Jamie Weir after the game. A little bit deflated, but um, obviously it was, uh, it was a tough last five minutes. I think that's probably reflects the scoreline. And then uh, the other 85 minutes reflects a 2-1 scoreline, which, uh, which I'm really proud of. You know, the boys gave everything. I think they were a little bit... Um, a little bit tired at the end. We've only trained one day in, in the last eight COVID and because of the snow yesterday, you know, so proud of them, proud of them. Uh, missed the fans, you know, when that fourth goal went in, instead of thinking about why it went in, I thought, God, we missed the fans tonight. I really did because I thought the fans would give us that energy not to let the, almost like a reserve game at the end. And, well, obviously, in these very strange times, you probably can't have a glass of wine with Joe the game tonight, but does he have an open invitation to any cold-blooded hearts gig in the future? <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, he said he might not be thing, but uh, I bet he can play a mean time. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a really, really top guy and a great manager. And uh, he's given me a lot of respect tonight. And uh, I'm humbled by... Managing along, along on, on the same pitch as Jose Mourinho, I think is uh, it's a fantastic day for me. I'm a football manager. There's so many people worse off than me, so that's a, a real humbling experience. And I'm hoping uh, we also gained a few fans because we didn't lie down. We went at Tottenham. We had a goal. Just too strong at the end for us. I think that's what really stood out, wasn't it? How well the players did. I don't know about you as well, but I've got a, a strange mental image of Jose Mourinho in some sort of mariachi band now as well. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think that clip just goes to show the joys of Zoom press conferences as well. <laughs> you, you might imagine that actually when, when, when journalists are speaking to football managers, you know, that they, they completely make sure that their mics are muted and stuff like that. I can tell you that that really doesn't happen at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I mean, my main image actually of Jose was of him looking really fed up on the touchline uh, in a, you know, come on, we should be doing much better than this and, and clearly looking quite concerned as well. Um, thinking, you know, well, obviously he wasn't going to want it to, to go into extra time. I don't think Gareth probably did either. Uh, but, you know, that that was the, the bit that really stood out for me was that, well, this is great. You know, we, we, we've got one of the, the best managers in the world uh, and he's not sitting there smiling. He's, he's, you know, for 85 minutes, he was looking pretty much daggers at his team. I think it was quite a compliment as well because, you know, he certainly certainly felt that going into the game that it would be uh, quite a hard contest and it would make things difficult for them. I knew yeah, that yeah. the game was going to be difficult. We start preparing the game by showing the players what they did a few years ago at White Hart Lane and six of these players plus uh, the manager, they are still in in the team. So that, well, I think, was a good start. And then we prepared the game knowing that... Um, could be hard, and um, and it was. Uh, it's not easy to handle that style of uh, of play. If you don't score goals, uh, they they stay in the game. And uh, it was great for us that we scored minute eighty five because that gave us um, the possibility of not to play the the extra time, which um, would not be good for us, and of course not good for them too. I think the attitude of the team was was very professional. And this is the kind of game that even if we lose the game because we miss chances and they score in the last minute, let's say that, I wouldn't be 
I wouldn't be sad because very professional performance. Because if you look at the game afterwards and you say see the result 4-1, you think, oh yeah, Premier League side beat Championship strugglers 4-1, but that, that doesn't tell the story at all, does it? At all, and uh, it was a very harsh scoreline. You know, two two one would have been fair enough, but yeah, four one was was particularly harsh. Uh, I think that that another huge compliment that Jose played was the fact that he showed his team the the four three game uh, from four years ago. I very much like the fact that actually, you know, that both sets of teams happened to see that before the the game was played. No, definitely w- works well as as inspiration, but also information as well for for an opposing team to say, you know, this is this is what it'll be like. Yeah, yeah, and I, I assume he was probably very much saying, well, look, you know, th- this was them in League Two, and just bear in mind that they're now in the Championship, so, you know, you are going to, to have to, to up your game. This isn't going to be us facing Marine again. No, Marine, yo, not Marine. No, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that joke's already been made. I, I, I was going to say, I'm sure that was in, in some, some newspaper up in Manchester somewhere. As Bob mentioned, we also caught up with Matt Sassel, who's the head of media at the club, to find out a bit more about uh, what the experience was like for, for everyone connected with the team. It was a great occasion. Um, you know, we caveat all these with, wouldn't it have been far more wonderful for the fans to be there? And of course, you know, that's, that's the one regret we have about this whole season, is that um, those that are able to enjoy it in person are, are very few and far between. But I think as soon as the draw was made, uh, it kind of lit a fire in all of us, that kind of FA Cup romantic spark that just says, you know what, we know the league is important. We know that the championship um, and surviving the championship is, is key for the club to really kind of build on the foundations that it's laid over the past few years. Um, but this was a, a, a nice distraction, if you like, from that kind of ongoing battle. Um, a lot of exposure, a lot of um, interest, obviously, around the game. And for the players as well, many of them, um, early on in their careers, you know, haven't played in a game of such stature against such opposition before, and it was one for them to look forward to. So, of course, we had the hiccup in the week beforehand with the COVID outbreak, which uh, never really threatened this game, but just hampered some of the preparations, maybe. Uh, and I guess in hindsight, when you look back, you know, the team tailed off, obviously, in the last few minutes when Spurs came on strong, and perhaps some of those preparations being hampered could have had an impact. But overall, I think we will look back at the the day that Tottenham Hotspur came to Adams Park with Jose Mourinho in charge and really had to uh, you know, bring on the big guns to break us down and to get the victory. So, uh, yeah, a proud night for everyone concerned. Uh, a lot of hard work that went into it on and off the pitch. And uh, now we just sort of put that behind us and look forward to the second half of the championship season. So pleasing with the way the tie started, though, and obviously scoring first. must have been so reminiscent of 2017. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, I think Spurs expected it. They expected Wickham to come out and have a go. Uh, it's what Gareth Ainsworth does in cup ties. It's what we tried to do against Villa a few years ago and, uh, and had some good early chances in the first half of that game. Uh, Gareth's a manager who likes to be bold. Uh, he likes to go on the attack rather than try and soak it up uh, and, and sit back. And to score that first goal was great. And Fred, um, obviously he was a star of the playoff semi-final against Fleetwood back in July. Uh, he's had a quiet first half of the season than he might have liked. But he scored against Preston and found himself in the right place at the right time to keep his composure and tuck that one away. Um, and, you know, it, who knows? It could have been a different story had we been able to hold on to half-time and keep that 1-0. Um, but Spurs came on strong, um, a good ball into the box for the equaliser. And in the second half, um, yeah, Spurs obviously came on stronger and, and got the win in the end. But it was, an, it was an amazing feeling around the place. Again, it was a, a, a muted celebration from those that were there uh, the boys on the pitch certainly enjoyed it I think the, the TV picture showed Gareth keeping a calm exterior but I'm sure inside his heart was going a little bit and uh, a dream of another cup upset 
But um, yeah, a, a great moment, great for Fred. And uh, you know, Wickham Wanderers held the lead again against Tottenham Hotspur, but uh, the Spurs came roaring back. It just seemed to be such a great advert for both the team, the club, and also the town as well. Yeah, I think you know these are our occasions in the spotlight. Um, there are 92 professional clubs across the leagues, and obviously more in non-league. And the Premier League grabs the exposure, and certainly in this league, we know that there are clubs with far more interest that surround them because of the players. You know, you've got Wayne Rooney managing at Derby, and, and Wickham Wanderers won't often be talked about. So when our opportunity in the in the uh, in the spotlight comes, we want to grab it with both hands. And for us, that meant just getting as much media coverage as we could, getting as many sponsors engaged and kind of benefiting from the exposure that would come with it as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's not publicity for publicity's sake. We want to show off the values of the club, the, the community spirit, the, the warm-hearted kind of characters that you see all around the place, from the manager, from the chairman, to the staff, all around the place. You know, that, that's what we want the world to see is, is who we are, the humility that follows us around, um, the respect that we show to our opposition, and, you know, of course, the, the relationship we have our supporters even though they're not in the ground. So it's all of those things kind of culminated um, over the past couple of weeks. We've received a lot of compliments from Tottenham as a club and from their supporters, from the media and the, and the visitors that were there on the day. And I think generally, you know, it's another opportunity where Wickham Wanderers had their 15 minutes of fame and, uh, the, you know, the, the football world that we're watching have said, do you know what, we quite like Wickham. They seem a decent club. So, uh, you know, long... Uh, Let's, let's just hope it's not long until the next opportunity comes around for us to do that again. It's fascinating in a way, isn't it? Because obviously locally, you know, we support the club and, and watch the team, you know, week in, week out. And But you hear about sort of the national national press, or, or sorry, is this like I've suddenly discovered there's this manager who's who's a rock, rock singer and, and there's got this, this hugely strong player in Bayo and you've got a, someone who scores from corners in JJ. And it's just like, yes, we know all this. But it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. They're, they're all just kind of learning about it. Yeah, it, it does make me chuckle. You know, the phone rings a lot more for these kind of occasions and, and naturally the media want to speak to the manager because they know he wears a leather jacket and has long hair and drives a Mustang um, and you can get quite a bit of repetition with that when you're a Wickham fan because you read and hear about it quite a lot but for them I suppose it's something different um, Akin Fenwar is the number one target on their hit list of interviews um, and you know what, You know, to a lot of them I say look, he's unavailable, who else would you like to speak to and some of them struggle to name another Wickham player um, that's that's part of everybody's challenge here, I think, is to get Wickham Wanderers known for more than its leather-clad manager and, um, you know, larger-than-life striker. Uh, everybody else has a personality and a character and deserves their moment in the spotlight. So it was nice to see uh, national media coverage on Joe Jacobson, Matt Bloomfield, Ryan Allsop was in the papers, Scott Cashkett, um, and, you know, that they enjoy the coverage. They enjoy being talked about and they enjoy the fact that there are people interested in speaking to them. So, yeah, Wickham Wanderers will be synonymous, I'm sure, with, with Gareth and with Bayo, um, but there are plenty more characters around and uh, it was nice to shine a light on those as well. Definitely. And you must be so pleased, you sort of touched on earlier how the, the club has, has coped, if that's the right word, with, you know, responding from the COVID outbreak and then, you know, having to prepare with very little time for this FA Cup run and, and, and now obviously with the focus uh, back on the sort of league, uh, league campaign and survival. Yeah, it's, it's obviously been a stop-start season in many ways of having fans in the ground and not having them. Um, and, you know, operationally as well, we are on the fly week by week of, of kind of playing by the rules and seeing what we can do. So when we were placed back into lockdown, um, around, well, Tier 4, wasn't it, around Christmas and then into a national lockdown at the start of January, all the staff then had to, to go back to their homes and, and 
you know, trying to pull these things together when the cup draw came out and it was against Tottenham. There was so much to work on, and yet the club was trying really, really hard to, to stick to the uh, the protocols, and, and most of the staff were working at home. The, the stadium remained open for the vaccination suite, which has gone really, really well. That's been a big success. Um, and, of course, for the players, you know, with the regular testing, it just means that uh, one or two positives can spread like wildfire when you've got uh, a group of players that train together Despite the, the strictest protocols, which the club have been adhering to with the, uh, the separate arrival times, the, the doors being wide open at the gym, which makes it freezing, but the boys are travelling to train indoors in masks, um, which is a, a horrible experience when you're putting in a workout and you can't breathe properly through the masks, but those are the protocols. Um, the club did everything it could to stave that off, but it just uh, kind of mounted up and, and caused the postponement of the QPR game. And by the time the team returned to training... And got into that game. You know, it'd been 16 days between the two games, and as I say, that you know that, that may have had an impact, but we're not using that as an excuse. Uh, it was just a, a pat on the back, really, of the medical staff for acting quick enough to, to stop a, you know, a much bigger outbreak, and, and toward the operational staff from the stadium to the commercial. Um, that despite the challenges of COVID and the separation and, and having to work from home, uh, put on a really good show. I thought. And I think that's something else that really stood out about Monday as well. Watching the game, thinking, "Oh, if only the fans were there, this would have been fantastic." You know, attacking the goal, uh, having you know the fans' reaction as well. But it was also really nice to see Adams Park on the telly for people that might not have seen you know the improvements to the ground. Yeah, you know, a lot of work has gone in. Um, you know, it was one of the things Rob Coig really wanted to, to do when he came to see the place. He acknowledged the fact that it was a little tired, and it, it has been tired because the club hasn't been able to in, invest in the in the stadium facilities and the general infrastructure. So gradually there have been the improvements. We saw the Chairboys Village last season, which was a big hit. And certainly inside the stadium, the new dugouts, the floodlights, the media facilities, some of them were required to meet championship standards. Some of them were just uh, a result of everybody's kind of desire to improve the place and have it aesthetically pleasing. Uh, the LED advertising boards have been a big revenue spinner for the club. And it was great to have a lot of new advertisers on board there on Monday night. Uh, big exposure for them. Um, and yeah, you know, as you say, it would have been lovely to have every seat filled. We were telling BT Sport when they were building all their scaffolds, you know, yeah, you're fine to stick a studio there, but trust me, if we were selling tickets, um, you wouldn't be taking up our precious seats because we would want nine and a half thousand loud and proud supporters inside the stadium making as much noise as they could. And in their absence, you know, we, we had to make what money we could by draping a few, uh, advertising banners over some of the seats and, uh, and really grabbing every opportunity to make this a prestigious but also a money-spending fixture as much as we could. Do you get the impression that supporters might get to get to the ground this season or is it still too early to say, really? But there's no indication um, of anything, is there, really, post-lockdown at the moment. I think we're, you know, the, the Prime Minister was talking about this potential six-week lockdown up until half-term in February. Um, on a sporting level, it seems to have gone all quiet. Uh, we had fans in against Stoke, we had more fans in against Coventry. And uh, I remember we were looking to go to Bristol City, weren't we, on Boxing Day, and they were preparing for fans, and just before Christmas that all got put um, put on hold. So th- th- there's no suggestion of it at the moment, and uh, you know, it, I guess it's depending on the success of the vaccination programme across the country. Um, we really hope so, uh, but more than anything, Gareth's desire and the team's desire is that we have another shot at the Championship next season, where hopefully the fans get a full year of it and, and being able to enjoy it. But no, for now, you know, the club is just so grateful of the, the patience, the understanding of the supporters, many of whom cost up money at the start of the season for season tickets. Um, probably in the expectation they might miss a few games, 
but certainly not 21 or 22 of them, um, which is looking like it might be the case. So it's, it's been, uh, you know, uh, a real shame this season that the fans haven't been able to be part of it. And, and that's why everybody here is desperate to make sure that this season isn't our only one in the championship because, uh, you know, we worked so hard to get here and we want that collective effort to be rewarded with year two, year three, year four in the championship and year five in the Premier League. Why not? You know, boy can dream. So, uh, yeah, let, let's see how we go. But, but hopefully... Um, you know, there's a rapid program on the vaccination um, sort of network across the country, and if we can get fans back in the ground, you know, we will be ready as soon as the prime minister gives the go-ahead. Um, we'll be ready straight away to welcome them back. That's fantastic. We'll leave you there. Thank you so much for your time. No worries at all. Thanks, Colin. Take care. That was something that really stood out on Monday as well. I kept thinking, and I'm sure you did as well. If only there were supporters here to have seen oh. this, and, and not only to sort of witness the occasion, but but uh, as Gareth mentioned, just to really sort of spur the team on towards the end. Uh, I mean, the, the, um, BT Sport kept having this this um, footage from a drone. Uh, I don't know whether it was live or whether they'd taken it before the game, but you did just think, oh, you know, I mean, it, the, the the ground still looked stunning, all lit up, but the fact that it was empty and you couldn't help think, oh, wow, that would look so amazing with all the fans there. Because definitely, you know, that that's a game that we would have sold out all 10,000 tickets. You know, Adams Park hasn't been at capacity for, for many games in, in its entire history. That would have been one of those. Uh, and it would have been such a fantastic atmosphere, the fact that it was being played at night as well. Uh, and I think Gareth probably is right that actually it would have affected the scoreline as well, actually, if fans had been there. Uh, I think another point um, with regards to what Matt was saying and just about the 16-day gap and the fact that really they only managed to train once is it was an incredible result considering all of those things had you said before the game you know oh they've only trained once they've had 16 days off you probably would have thought oh goodness me you know Spurs are going to score six or seven here um okay it, it ended up being 4-1 but it wasn't a 4-1 game it was a 2-1 game and you know didn't didn't we do fantastically well considering uh all of the disruption that the team had in in the preparation oh definitely I think any any time to, to score first against Tottenham and to hold them for for that amount of time in the game level is, is a fantastic achievement and Still to come on the uh, the next part of the Wicked Wanderer show, we'll hear from 90s striker Kim Casey. Love music, love talk, love Wickham sound. Coming up in a few moments' time, we'll hear from Kim Casey, uh, 90s striker. I just want to say a big hello, though, to... <laughs> Uh, Pete Killig, who tweeted this week, I think it was yesterday, in fact, that he had Wickham hello. Sound on in the car, who must work on the big hello bit a bit better, um, and uh, he had uh, Staying Alive on, and he tweeted that um, uh, when Wickham Sound played the right song at just the right time, and he was sort of touring the car park, with uh, Adams Park, with, with Staying Alive on, <laughs> it was very good. And we all know what's going on in the car park at the minute to hopefully ensure that everyone stays alive. Absolutely, yeah, I think that was the, that was the sort of point, but it was, it was fantastic to, to be reminded and get to see, you know, that Yes, yes, no, we, we appreciate that, Pete. Thank you very much. Uh, and, of course, uh, Pete has been a regular uh, guest on the show, and I'm sure we'll be speaking to him uh, much more between now and the end of the season. Uh, also been catching up with Kim Casey, of course, uh, 90s striker, a uh, fantastic achievement at the club, although only was with us for, for two seasons, but uh, did brilliantly well. Uh, played, of course, in some very memorable games, and he's been speaking to us uh, about how he came to be a Wanderer. It is, in essence... Uh, a club that I'd always admired uh, from afar. I think uh, our manager at Kidderminster, Graham Ulmer, mentioned it to Martin that you know I could be interested when he, you know they were talking, uh, and I think that's how it came around. And it must be in a club you're aware of. I know it's certainly a, a side you scored against quite a lot when you were at Kidderminster and also Cheltenham as well. Yeah, it was. And um, I mean, don't get me wrong, as, a, as an opposition player, 
you see the, the style of the football that, that teams play and you see the fan base um, that uh, clubs have. And I always liked uh, Lakes Park. It, uh, for whatever reason, it just had a, you know, a good omen for me. So I loved playing at, at Wickham and really enjoyed it. I remember some cracking games, though. Um, high-scoring games, and it's just really entertaining football. And of course, you know, being a striker, that's that's what I enjoyed. So when I got the call, you know, possibility of talking with a gaffer, then obviously I was really excited about that. And what was it that really attracted you to to want to come and play for the club? If, if I'm honest, I really don't know. Um, other than the gaffer's uh, motivation to sign you, you know, he wanted uh, certain things. You know, in our discussions, I thought that I could do that. And he convinced me to sign for the club. You know, his, his passion for football, uh, his knowledge for football, his background is obviously, uh, you know, second to none at the time. And, uh, and and that's how it proved to be. So it proved to me to be a fantastic move. And did it feel like it was a real kind of special time around the time you joined as well? Well, I, I was quite fearful when I came in because I was one of the older ones. And there were so good players, so many good players in the dressing room. And I thought, Oof, I'm going to have a, you know, uh, a lot of difficulty getting in the team here. So I really have to, you know, make my position count. And if I get a, an opportunity, make sure I score goals or contribute. Um, but having a good ground in a good kid in there and, and Graham uh, helped me. Um, and, you know, the, the gaffer installed a lot of confidence in you. Um, but it was uh, it was a good cl- club to be at. Um, but make no bones about it. My memory is that when we looked around the dressing room, we had winners, um, and that means trophies. Uh, unfortunately, at the end of the, my second year, uh, we won the double. So that was you know not long in uh, fruition. But uh, something that I'm passionate about is is winning trophies. Uh, and when the gaffers spoke. Uh, I knew that all the players were on the same wavelength as him, uh, and I just had to buy into that too. I remember around the time you were at the club, it was the sort of time that I was watching um, quite regularly with friends from school and, and college around that sort of time, and, and that really was a great group of players that you had at, at that time. It was. So I, I mean, I've been reflecting since since you called, and uh, without doubt, I mean, I've, I've been really, really lucky in my career to play for some uh, pretty good teams, but... Uh, I, I must admit, you know, man for man, the strength of the whole squad and the leadership, uh, for my mind, was, uh, was was without doubt the best team that I played for, you know, even though it was a short time. I mean, I loved my other clubs and the length of the time I was a kid. I mean, so obviously got a very strong affinity there. But when you actually achieve things and you do it in a relatively short period of time, because we actually did the same at, at Leamington and we won the treble within a, a, a period of 12 months and we've got a young side there so and we actually still keep in contact now so a bit like the, the Wickham Wanderers you know Explosive Association it's fantastic when you build relationships like that you actually put gongs or put trophies on the table which means you know you were successful or that everyone was successful uh, including the fan base so a special time because I guess you probably don't realise at the time, and as you say, it's only since reflecting, but what it means to, to supporters who come and watch you kind of each week, and as you say, the year you did the double and, and, and to get such success at that level. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was really appreciative of, of all the support that I had personally. I mean, if 
5,000 fans every week at home. Uh, it's just incredible. The noise and, and, and the spirit was fantastic. It spurred the team on. But I'll, I'll give you one brief example of... I was injured for quite a while with a dislocated uh, shoulder. I did it in the West Brom game at home in the FA Cup. And I was out for a little while. And a woman just... You know, what I was doing was uh, standing... Uh, watching the game because uh, obviously I was injured and a woman came up to me and just gave me a photograph and it was a photograph that she took a couple of weeks before had it printed uh, and it was quite emotional oh, it was my son it's one of the best pictures I ever had so uh, it, all the crowd in the background I didn't even know from Adam oh, she just come up gave me a photograph she's brilliant it's just such a family club Wow, that's really special. And are there any other, other sort of games and matches and, and particular occasions that especially stand out during your time? I can't actually say specific games. I mean, obviously, extremely disappointed with the West Brom game uh, that I couldn't get involved uh, after that. And really right at the end, because of the injury, you know, the gaffer uh, chose a, had to choose a, a strong side in the uh, in the final against Runcorn, which I didn't start. So uh, those are my disappointments but I think every single game that I played for we came loved because we had an attacking style we had a winning style you know and your contribution was valued by the gaffer and it was valued by, by your mates uh, and when we used to look around at the, the dressing room you just knew that there's no way we're going to lose this game uh, the only thing we're going to do is the min- absolute minimum is, is draw um, but otherwise you know let's get on and, and win things which we did does it feel like a long time ago? Because obviously it will be 30 years this year that you, that you signed. Yes, uh, it is a very long time. I mean, you, you think of the players in there and what they've achieved, like Steve Guppy, for example, you know, what he went on to achieve. Um, but David Carroll, Chris, uh, Scotty up top, you know, the midfielders, Tomo and Stapleton, Rhino. I, it's just a fantastic side, really. You know, Jason Cousins right back. Heidi in goal, it was unbelievable for me. Uh, one of the best goalkeepers I've, I've played with, if not the uh, Just purely on presence. But some some passionate people about winning, you know, that's, that's something that uh, I've been lucky enough to buy into in a number of clubs that I've played for. Uh, but certainly the fan base is brilliant as well. Uh, you, you, you know, the away, even the away support is tremendous. So, you know, even though it's two years, some some things you just it feels like yesterday. And it must feel like during that period as well. It was such a, a those names that you mentioned. It was such a core of that team. It didn't really change that much. No, that's right. It's one of our strengths actually. That everybody trained hard. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was probably one of the worst trainers. Uh, right at pre-season was not my uh, thing. I mean, I've been one of the older players, but. I was fine over a short distance, but certainly not long distance. And, you know, Kidderminster sometimes we went up hills and went round lakes. And I said to the gaffer once, the manager there, I said, you know, has our pitch changed? Have we, have we got a, a lake in the middle of our pitch? Or, you know, what's going on? Why do we need to do all this run? It's absolutely pointless. But the, the gaffer, uh, Martin O'Neill, basically gave me extra time to do the runs. <laughs> So he realised that it wasn't my strength. Uh, but then when I was in a group with Chris, like he'd be kicking my backside to make sure that I was in the time so that we didn't have to do another run. 
So it's, it's simple memories like that that just last with you forever. It's really nice, isn't it? You have those, as you say, kind of stories that are only kind of special to you and, and that particular group. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we still meet up uh, occasionally. We've got, the, you know, your typical WhatsApp group and some of the comments on there. The banter is just fantastic. Uh, I mean, Scotty and Heidi uh, stick out for me as well as the skip. But, you know, the self-confidence of Scotty as a player was absolutely incredible. I don't think, you know, if you cut him in half, he just like self-belief. And eight rubs off on all the other players. Uh, and the band series I did and the guys and crazy is just tremendous. I came down for a game of golf uh, last year in the golf tournament for the ex-players and uh, just played with Rhino and Chris and it just flew by. It's absolutely hilarious. One of the funniest games of golf I've ever had. <laughs> uh, it's just great. And as you say, it's so nice that you have that sort of bond with the ex-players association. You can all come together and, and share different stories from different generations as well. Yeah, there's lots of decades. I think it's one of the strongest in the UK. Uh, from what I, I mean, it was 180 at the, the dinner last year, I think. So, fabulous. Uh, all the work that uh, the guys put in who organised that. Um, you know, it's just uh, Hutch and, and all the guys are just fantastic. You know, really proud and lost a, a really good friend with John Reed and, uh, this year. What a guy he was. Made me feel most welcome I've ever felt at any club. Because it's so nice to hear those stories, isn't it, about, you know, there are so many individuals that have been uh, associated with the club and at the club for so long with so many different roles and, and some of them that so many people know as well. Yeah. But it was the backroom stuff as well. I remember how strong the team was all over. You know, not just the gaffer, he needed uh, support and he delegated stuff and his, his strength was motivation before the game and you felt seven foot tall, absolutely invincible, no way that anybody would lose. Uh, again, you know, at our place, we would we wouldn't lose. But it, it, it is it's important that it's it's everyone, and that includes the fans. You know, without them, you, you wouldn't have anything. And they were fantastic and great memories. Great memories. I must be so pleasing for you to see them in the championship now. I wish that I could come down and watch the games. I've watched every game on Sky, obviously, but uh, I'm so proud. And, and, you know, and I watch that group, they, you know, all the comments, fantastic, you know, really great to see them. Uh, and Gareth and, and his team doing a fantastic job, way above the station, in my opinion, for such a club. But uh, fingers crossed they'll stay there. So for people that don't know, tell us a bit about what you've been doing since your time at Wickham. Um, from a coach's point of view, I've just uh, been um, coaching locally. Won trophies with Mont Green, with Redditch, uh, with Sully United. But from a business uh, role, I'm like 60 in March. Uh, seems to have gone quick. Uh, so essentially, I've like, not the full-time job on the head, uh, which is an insurance guy for many, many years. Uh, and I'm now working part-time for a firm called uh, Digital Innovators, who are like um, what I'm teaching is if you're a student between 16 and 24 and you want to get into employment, you go to college, you get, you know, you study for your qualifications, which are all technical, uh, but then you've got your uh, soft skills, you've got your communication, building confidence, uh, problem solving, leadership, teamwork, all those, uh, that's what we do online. So as we speak today on uh, teaching online, 
but not full time, it's just half half a week. Uh, but we, the business just won the Solial Business of the Year 2020, which uh, again, a very little trophy, uh, which means that you know you must be doing something right. Uh, it's a fantastic little company, and I really love it. Just gets people employed, and it's just doing business coaching, football coaching. She's getting the best out of other people. Great, great feeling. Now it sounds really rewarding, and I guess, as you say, since we spoke, you must be so so nice to be able to reflect on on what, what you achieved in your time as a as a player and and your time at Wickham for those for those couple of years as well. Yeah, they had a special time. Uh, I mean, the, you know, I spent nine years at Kidminster. Very special time, equally special at Wickham, even though it's two years. Uh, just you know, fantastic groups of players because uh, it's easy just to pass through different clubs, not win things, not have the camaraderie not have the fan base, but, you know, with the clubs that uh, I mentioned there specifically, they stand out for me as, as two of the best clubs that I played for by mile. And as a striker, I must have been so pleased with, you, with your goal tally as well. I was disappointed at Wickham, actually. I didn't get so many. I probably, uh, I don't know, my reputation was, I didn't pass a lot. Um, you know, I knew my role at Wickham crystal clear. The gaffer really made it. Uh, easy for me uh, in his conversations with me on one-to-ones. That's what he was pretty good at. He shortened the pitch for me. Just you know, this is what I want you to do. And, there's, and when you've got players like Gubbs and David Carroll on each wing, you just get in the box. You don't have a great deal to do. To be fair, they make it all that easy. And, and Scotty was a perfect foil. You know, he's very little, very uh, lost in the air. Won those things and. Uh, he went one post, I went the other, and we then two on each wing. It was a pretty easy job for me. Uh, but So I was disappointed that I didn't get double what I did at Wickham. But I was proud over the over the career, because uh, I was very lucky. Oh, it's been fantastic to reminisce with you. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Really, really enjoyed it. Great memories. Thank you. Fantastic to hear from uh, Kim, Casey, and uh, Colin. I, I would imagine probably brought back some memories for you. Oh, absolutely, because they uh, all those players that he mentioned, and obviously we, we spoke to Chris as well, and, uh, and 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 Scotty as well. That whole team with you know Jason Cousins and all of them, really, you know Keith Ryan, and they were um, week in week out. You'd go and watch them, Martin Hill managing them, and it just felt like at that time, you know, obviously we've spoken before on the on the show about how many different sort of generations and sort of groups if you like of teams there seem to be and they, they all have their really special periods but that I suppose when you're kind of the age that I was then and, and really kind of enjoying going to see games not that I don't now but I <laughs> but but you, you kind of remember don't you in your in your sort of those years you know when there was a group of us that went and I think I was sort of school age or college age around that time and it was really brilliant on a Saturday to go and go and even if you know they didn't play well or they didn't didn't win or or, or whatever there was always you know it's that sort of you felt like community and you'd see the same people it's probably probably the same for people to go today well not today obviously but um <laughs> for, for their vaccination but um, oh it's you again um but but no it was a fantastic sort of period and and obviously going to Wembley as well as as Kim said against Runcorn and it was a, yeah it was a fantastic time and I think that's why, actually, what we're going through at the moment uh, as a club, and I'm not, not talking about the current um, situation, but I'm, I mean the fact, you know, that we've got Gareth and the the fact that we've had so much success, really, over the, the past few years. 
I think when when you have that amazing success, particularly when you're quite a young fan or a teenage fan, that it's a really, really formulative time. And you look back on it always, um, whatever's happening with your football club, and you think, wow, that that was amazing. And, you know, will we ever go through that again? Mm. And I think what's fantastic at the moment is that actually we are going through one of those periods, one of those really amazing times where you think of all of the, you know, the, the fantastic games that we've had, uh, you know, the, the trip to, to Wembley, uh, the, you know, when we, we lost to South End, but that was, that was still an amazing season. Then going up the, the game at Chesterfield, uh, you know, the, and then obviously last year, the, the, the playoffs, um, obviously beating Oxford at Wembley. Now the fact that we're in the championship, you know, the, the Spurs, FA Cup game at White Hart Lane there are so many things actually that you can look back on and think wow you know this is amazing and it's fantastic that actually it's happening again that we are having that Martin O'Neill period again only this time led by Gareth Ainsworth and especially when you compare it to you know the, the comparatively recent you know history of the club being in such financial difficulties and Gareth always talks about the Torquay game as well yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and the club, I, I, I definitely felt, you know, it was, it, it went through a, a few, you know, a few difficult years. Um, you know, when Tony Adams came in and, and things, it, it didn't necessarily feel, um, quite like Wickham Wanderers. Uh, and the, you know, the, the fact that we now have such a safe pair of hands as Gareth in charge, the fact that we have a, you know, a, a management team who completely clearly back him. And I'm talking about management of the actual club rather than the of the, of the team uh you know you, you can imagine so many other clubs where yeah the team bottom of the championship will be looking to get rid of their manager and you think well no gareth is definitely the you know the, the safest manager probably in the division at the moment still to come we'll hear from the safest manager in the division at the moment uh, looking ahead to the brentford game here at wickham sound love music love talk love wickham sound building up to a league game which is something we've <laughs> not done for a bit uh, saturday will be the first league game in four weeks yeah, it will, which is, is a, a bit of a, a surprising stat, particularly in a season where you imagine that actually we're going to have to cram all of the fixtures in. Uh, but indeed, we find ourselves returning to the Brentford Community Stadium this Saturday. Of course, the second time that we have been there, uh, because we played them in the very first game in the, the League Cup, where, of course, we, we lost uh, on penalties. Uh, and then we managed to hold them in the league game at Adams Park earlier on this season, nil-nil, which is a very good result considering how well Brentford have done this season. I was going to say, you can't uh, help look at them and think what an organised team they are, and especially with their manager as well, how, how well he organises them clearly we all know where they want to be you know they are now knocking on the door of the Premier League with their new stadium in particular the fact that they, they've got Thomas Frank who seems like a very very good manager who knows exactly what he's doing uh, so yeah you know they are a team that definitely doesn't want to be in this division uh, and, and clearly have aspirations to, to go up into the Premier League Speaking of which let's hear from our manager who spoke to Bob earlier on today a brilliant performance on Monday night. A friend who, who doesn't watch Wickham very often said to me, you would not have known that that team was bottom of the championship. No, it's nice to hear. And uh, I agree, you know, I think uh, we, we turned it on. And uh, I just want to ask the boys now to do that every week for me now because we're going to need that to the end of the season. I want them to turn it on. I want them to believe they can compete against anyone because they've just competed against one of the top teams in the country. You know, all right, they brought the big boys on at the end to, to win the game, but... You know, we matched them at times as well, and I, I was really proud of the boys. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, everyone, like you say, as a neutral, could see that um, we're not just making up the numbers. We really want to compete, and uh, I want to take that into Brentford on Saturday. 
I, I think that we probably all have this stereotyped image after a game that possibly you, you get together, you managers, and, and have a glass of wine. Probably that doesn't happen anyway, um, particularly not now because of COVID. But, but did Jose have a chat to you after the match? Yeah, we always do in normal times, you know, and that still happens, so that's great. But unfortunately, I didn't get, get to sit down with him. We just had a, a few few words exchanged he's uh he told me he knew what would he knew we would be tough um which is a great compliment he said i knew i would have to do what i did and, and it was great you know it was uh it was really nice for somebody of that stature and somebody who i've got the utmost respect for to to know what we're trying to do here and uh and i thought that um he he managed his game really well um but i also think that at times he uh he probably did think um they're in for a right game, and, and that's what, that's all I want when people come to Wickham. As long as they get a game, you know, it's uh, it's it's tough. It is very tough in the Championship, and we are that team that everyone looked at and went, "What the heck are they doing in the Championship?" And people are probably looking at us now, going, "No, oh, that, that's Wickham gone." Uh, I think that if they underestimate us, I think they've got a they've got a rude awakening coming, and that's what I'm hoping in the next nine games. Uh, we've got some real tough ones coming up, but we've got some teams around us as well, and if we can take what we we did on Monday into these games I think we'll, uh, we'll do well And Brentford a side that we've obviously already played twice this season and particularly in that second game at Adams Park we, we held them and we played really well Yeah I'm really proud of the way the boys have played in every game never mind just the Brentford game you know even, even in the Blackburn game you know we learn our lesson but I'm always proud they always give me everything and, and, I, and you know if I get it wrong then I get it wrong and they, they, they they're gutted after the games uh, but you know, when they do get it right on the pitch, they they deserve all the glory. And and, and against uh, Cardiff and Preston in the cup and and the, the you know Sheffield Wednesday Birmingham games, which we've won, we've we've deserved to win these games. We uh, we can we can beat teams at this level. Brentford will be very tough, um, but I know that at the end of the game, I'll be proud of these boys again. Uh, and and that's all I need. Uh, we miss the fans. We do miss. The, the fans are a huge part of what we do here and tactically as well as, as anything you know as well as just bums on seats but it's um, it is what it is we've had this Covid situation as well which hasn't helped uh, so again we're just getting back to normal um, but we're playing probably the form team in the country and uh, and it's going to be tough but um, I know one thing there won't be an ounce of energy left on that pitch at the end of the game on Saturday and uh, the result will be the right result because we'll give everything see where we go uh, how's Joe Jacobson doing? Obviously, he came off uh, in the first half during the game against Spurs. Yeah, we're still in the assessment stage of Joe. So he, he's really hoping to play. He's hoping to be involved. Whether the medical team can get him round, I don't know. So he's got um, a growing issue, and uh, and hopefully we can get him back round in time. If not, you know, we're looking in the transfer market with four days to go. I've got replacements in the team, although not a natural left foot, you know, like we have in the past. So, again, we're going to have to uh, be creative. But, um, no, Joel's, uh, Joel's obviously had a great season and, and he's one of the most feared set-piece takers in the league. And, and we've got to make sure that we, uh, we, when he does come back, he doesn't break down again. And that's big for us because he's our only natural left-back. Um, although Jason McCarthy went out there and did really well against Gareth Bale, of all people. So, it was... Uh, you know, it was a blow to lose him, but um, yeah, he'll be back pretty soon. I'm sure. I'm sure he's in contention for this weekend. If not, it'll be very soon after that. Uh, and we're, we're getting towards the the stage of the year where you normally use, uh, lose Bayo off to the Super Bowl. I'm assuming that that's not happening this season. <laughs> that one game a year where he goes, no, yeah, <laughs> he'll definitely be sticking around, and we're going to need him, you know. But um, nice. No, uh, 
he's a big part of what we do still. And uh, like I say, hopefully we can uh, we can get to Brentford on Saturday with a full full ish squad because we've got a couple still on the uh, on the other end of the COVID stuff. And uh, and let's see what we can do. But um, I think the seventeen unbeaten, which is uh, which is a tough ask. But um, if anyone can do it, we can do upset the uh, upset the form book more than more than most. Uh, let's see what we can do. I'm sure he's going to say apple cart then. <laughs> they do upset the apple cart. Well, he, he's quite right. You know, if if anyone's going to bring Brentford's rent a run to a a close, it's hopefully it's going to be us. Really interesting as well to hear that there could be uh, further arrivals before Monday's deadline. Indeed, yes, uh, and, and particularly with regards maybe to uh, Joe Jacobson uh, and the fact that uh, we played uh, Brentford in a, a B-team game, um, which happened the day after the Spurs game. You would have thought that uh, everyone would have fancied a rest, but no, actually, we, we played Brentford in a B-team game, um, and the, there were a few trialists that day, including a trialist left back. I like the way there's a trialist CB. I thought that was going to be me. Yeah, <laughs> yes, no, I don't, don't think it was you. <laughs> uh, and also the trialist left back played the whole game as well, so Ooh. maybe that was quite quite telling. Yes, and obviously as well, there's obviously um, sort of permanent signings, but also the loan market as well, Gareth Roy's done very well in. Yes, indeed. I mean, you know, look, look how well we've done in the loan market so far, uh, you know, with with Dennis Ademran, uh the fact that, that we've now got Admiral up front, uh, Josh Knight, obviously. Uh, so, yes, you know, maybe another loan signing as well. Uh, that That would be good. Really interesting to have that that B team or practice game uh, as well, especially as you say with the same opponents coming up on Saturday. Yes, yeah, I mean that that was a bit of a surprise. A surprise that it was the day after the Spurs game, and also that it was the the opponents that we're about to face. Uh, an interesting team. So uh, it was uh, David Stockdale, uh, James Clark, who is the player that we signed uh, from Chelsea, who is yet to make an appearance for us. Uh, Giles Phillips played. Anthony Stewart, uh, Andre Burley, Alex Patterson, uh, Dennis Demeron, Gareth McCleary, uh, and Alex Samuel, and Scott Cashcat played. Uh, Anis Mametti came on as a substitute. Uh, Alex Patterson, uh, who got the winner. Uh, scoring a second-half penalty, giving us a 1-0 victory over Brentford B uh, after Scott Cashcat had been brought down in the box. A lot of first-team names there as well. Yeah, and it's exactly, that, that's what I thought. Um, and, you know, and possibly a bit of a surprise as well. Um, so, uh, obviously, Scott played, you know, and he played in the, you know, the, the night before. Uh, Gareth McCleary uh, as well uh, came on in the Spurs game. Uh, so, very much, you know, uh, possibly just trying to get the team back to, to being used to, to playing. Uh, because, obviously, you know, it, it's been longer now than the 16 days, hasn't it, since the, this, uh, the, the uh, Preston North End game. It'll be really interesting to see whether Monday night's game combined with that has really uh, built a bit of confidence or, or perhaps will enable them to, to have a bit of momentum going into this game. Really, really hope so. Um, as I said earlier on, you know, I, I think it was a great shame that actually we didn't then play uh, a league game after that Preston North End performance because that was so impressive. Um, but I hope that the team can hang on to the fact that actually the performance on Monday night was equally as impressive um, and just forget about the scoreline because the scoreline was was very harsh. Um, and, you know, uh, and remember that actually we managed to hold Tottenham's Hotspur for eight five minutes um, and just ignore the fact that actually in the last eight minutes they, they managed to score three times and as we touched on earlier in the show february could be such a key time in terms of the, the fixtures and hopefully the results definitely yeah i mean you get the fact that that if if we're still struggling by the end of february then things are looking pretty grim but actually if we have a decent february then actually you know we we could be really looking forward to the spring um and actually staying in the championship next season lots of positivity docs to look forward to uh, do join us next week on the wickham wanderer show here on wickham sound